welcome to the Macaw Podcast Universe. Here we are. We're in the fourth Pirates of the Caribbean movie on Stranger Tides. And uh, we got one more Pirates left after today. And later on in the episode, we'll be announcing what our next series is going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's all I have to say up front. Here we are. Welcome. Oh, yes, yes. This is the podcast that exists to prove people wrong. that's right. When they say that sequels are never better than the originals. I'm Micah McCaw. I'm Jordan McCaw. And we are married. And uh, I think that's a selling point for the podcast. Yeah. Gives us a competitive advantage. What other (laughs) podcasts are there? Fueled by love. (laughs) That are fueled by this much love. None. That's right. (laughs) Oh, that was a question. Okay. So, um... What uh, hit me with your experience with this movie? I'm pretty sure I've seen this movie before, but I definitely blocked out most of it from memory. Uh, and so last night was like the first time watching it, really. And uh, that's about it. <laughs> okay. I think that's all the uh, energy I have <laughs> yeah. for this movie. Um, I was totally out by then. If if you recall the last episode, which was a drastic change for me, when I first saw At World's End, I absolutely despised it, and I never saw it again until we watched it last week, and I thought, whoa, this is actually really cool. Uh-huh. Really and ties up the, t- the series in a neat little bow. It really does. And um, so then I was like, okay, here we go. There's There's two more. There's something about how it, it I don't know how you di- dice it, but the, these are adventure movies. They're pirate movies, and it feels like you could just make an infinite amount of them. Who cares? But there's something so weird about how, I mean, I think there was also a cultural shrug when, even though this movie did really well, box office-wise, I think there was like, oh, we're doing another one of those? I remember being a kid though, and when the third movie ended, and it ended with him uh, with the map, Johnny Depp having the map, and like it turns into the Fountain of Youth. Yeah. So you know it's a little like, and he goes on. Yeah. To have more adventures. I remember as a kid thinking, "Ooh, I want to see that movie so bad." (laughs) And it also reminds me of when National Treasure Two ends. Uh The president gives him something that's like your next mission, like your next thing that you can go on. And I remember. Being a kid watching that and being like, oh my gosh, I cannot wait to find out <laughs> yeah. what this is. And never got the National Treasure 3, but hopefully someday we will. Apparently we're supposed to. Yeah. Um, and then with this franchise, when by the time this movie came out, uh, I didn't care even a little bit. Uh-huh. So I, I've definitely changed that Yeah. part of it where it's like, just because they leave a little like open-ended fun thing, that's the beauty of it. Yeah. Well, and I I think I pinpointed, which we'll be getting into later on in the episode, but I think I pinpointed why this movie doesn't work, Uh which it's kind of, it's hard, it's kind of hard to pin down because the movie's not really, it's just so bleh. It's not really a bad movie, but it's not a good movie. Uh Um, but I, I got some stuff that I think will, will crack open the, the chest, the fountain, if you will. Um, yeah, I never, so I never saw the movie. Until last night, and I did not, um, I I had no interest in participating in Pirates, and I think right around here, we're in 2011, this is when I would say, like, 
not the general audience, but like film critics and people who are getting into movies and stuff are getting a little tired of Johnny Depp. Yeah. Yeah. And then by the time the next movie comes out, everyone's just over Depp. Yeah. And then, you know, follows it up with Grindelwald. And now, you know, we see that he's not even in Grindelwald from here on out because yeah. they fired him um, or they asked him to leave, quote yeah. unquote. So I think the we're at the very beginning slash maybe the beginning of the middle of, okay, we're kind of over Johnny Depp and his whole shtick. Um, yeah. So let's, let me, should I just dive? Yep. Much like the mermaids do in this film, I should dive. Um, there's a novel by Tim Powers called On Stranger Tides, and it was published in 1987. Oh. And the novel and it's about had Blackbeard. a fountain of youth and Blackbeard. Okay. But most of it is different, and it was more of an inspiration than no, an adaption. it was more of a suggestion, as the credits say, su- suggested by the novel. Never seen anything Tim like Powers. that before. I've never seen that before. Uh, what is that? What is, how is that? It's just, you. What, basically, when they say that, it's like, okay, so inspired by? Yeah, yeah. Why are we saying suggested? It's as if Tim Powers came to the directors or the screenwriters and was like, I suggest you read my book. <laughs> that's what it felt like. Or that's what it seemed, I don't know. It was weird. Well, it sounded like, so um, Ted Elliott and Terry Rossio, who we've talked about the past uh-huh. three times, the writers of the screenplay and the story, they wanted to do something with Blackbeard uh-huh. and Fountain of Youth. And they basically said, well, you can't talk about those two things without people thinking about On Stranger Tides, written by Tim Powers. Okay. And so on the one hand, I kind of give Disney, for as a conglomerate and crazy as the company is, it's kind of nice that they got the rights and then they gave it a credit in the movie for something that, as far as I can tell, doesn't really follow the same story at all. Just uh, avoiding a lawsuit. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, a lot of times they just go, well, we're a big company. We can just throw money at it, and we don't like really care. Like the Monsters, Inc. thing. Yeah, so I think it's kind of cool that they they actually did their due diligence here. Mm-hmm. Um, and it seemed like Tim Powers was a pretty good sport about it, kind of um, going, oh, I wonder what the movie's going to be like. I know it's not really like the book, and that's mm. cool, and... Well, it takes pressure off of him Yeah, that, that maybe authors feel. Yeah. I read today an article of Stephen King going through all of the things that have been adapted to TV of his. Whoa. And it was his and what, opinion? And what he thought. Yeah. Oh, whoa. What were some of the... Very interesting. Um, he thought... So Under the Dome, yes. which was CBS. The CBS show, yeah. Came out 2011, I think. I don't know the years. Uh, he he basically is it came out strong but then it quickly felt like the studio just needed to fill up time oh that's almost i feel like a direct quote of what he said wow and then which there's plenty in the book you could definitely do a series on that yeah there's no reason to drag it out more yeah but the issue was it was on cbs yeah much like the new the stand will be on cbs yeah uh, does not look good yeah who the kid in um hereditary's in it I found out oh, via the article. Wolf, Alex Wolf. I yes. think is his name. I think it's him or it's his brother. Okay. Who look like they look like twins. They might be twins. Yeah. I don't remember. Alex is like good actually... though, and the other kid, I Nate. everything I've seen I think him it's in Nate, and I actually do think it's him, and that's the guy who's in Death Note movie, the bad 
the yeah. bad brother. <laughs> he might be a good actor. Oh, Everything yeah. I've seen him yeah. in, though, he's not good. Oh, in. totally. But they're also not good things. So I don't know how much is his acting. Yeah. You know? But um, Alex is, like, only in good stuff. Yeah, I know. Um, and then the Storm of the Century. Storm of the... Is that what it's called? It's a, not, it was a mini series, and it was wrote for written for TV. Uh-huh. And he... That's one of his favorite things. Huh. Um, and it's about, like, a devil-like figure coming into this town in this blizzard. Cool. Uh, comes, and no one can go anywhere. So it's, like, cabin fever with the devil. That's cool. Which sounds so cool. And then... How old was that? Oh, it's like the 80s. I've seen some of it. Okay. And I remember my dad being like, this is really good. And then he turns to the channel, so I couldn't watch it. Um, And then he did talk about The Shining. He favors the TV show over the movie, but famously he does not like the movie, but he did make it clear in the article that he does not, he does not dislike Stanley Kubrick. He respects him as a filmmaker. He does not agree with, he did not think that he had the capability to make the movie correctly. Yeah. I don't know. Correctly is probably the wrong word, but faithfully the, the biggest straw, the, the thing that really broke the camel's back though, is casting, um, Jack Nicholson. Yeah. And the way his character was written for the movie, it's like one note to him. Yeah. Cause he, he gets on screen and he's already insane. Well, wasn't, didn't Stephen King write the, the, the script for the, the TV show? Or I think he was it? involved in it. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Keep keep talking though while I bring it up. And then that's how I found out Castle Rock got canceled because they talked about Castle Rock. Oh. And how like JJ came to him and was like, "We want to make a show like based on your mythology." Yeah. Which I love that. Like I never even thought of it as mythology. Yeah, just as writer Stephen King. So I think he had a little more to play in the, yeah. the Shining. And he liked the guy who they cast as Jack Torrance. They thought that he thought he did a really good job because he starts as a man who's very lovable and loves his family. Yeah. Like the book. I will give him that. I mean, you have to, he's the guy who wrote the book, but yeah, the uh, castle rock was really interesting. He does really like castle rock. That's cool. Um, but he it is like, he said, it's a bummer that it got canceled. And I was like, got canceled. Yeah. Didn't they only do two seasons? Yeah. And he said, he's like, I really thought that, you know, they were picking up a stride, you know, with the yeah. second season. And it's like, I think everyone thought that. But I guess not. That's weird. Yeah, the both seasons are really good. the The first one's better. Yeah, but um, that's weird that they canceled that show. Yeah, that, that must be like um, like how Netflix is just canceling shows because they're yeah. like, oh, we're not getting new subscribers, even though people are still watching the show. We don't really care. Yeah. So it must be that sort of a situation, I, I guess. And then there was another one. Oh, Mr. Mercedes, he really likes. Oh. But it was ba- it was made by like an a- like AT and T, like through a network that they have, like through something that they have. Uh-huh. Therefore, and it was shown on Showtime, I think. Okay. I think that or Amazon, basically whatever streaming service it was on, no one watched it. Yeah. So he says it's always been a big disappointment to him that he thinks that this really great thing came out, but no one saw it. But now it's on NBC. It's on the Peacock service. Yeah. So he's happy about that because people are finally watching it. So he really likes that. And then he did say with The Stand, with the new one coming out, that um, there's a little bit of a different ending that he wrote. Like, he, he said he, he oh. kind of feels like a one last thing he wanted to say kind of That's ending. That's pretty interesting. So now I'm probably just going to read the premise of the show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm still, by the time this episode comes out, we'll know what people think of it. I mean, I don't want to get the CBS app. But, I mean, if it was, like, rave reviews, I would definitely consider 
getting the app and then binging it over a weekend. Because I read the novel this year, yeah, and it's it's an it's like an American classic. It's amazing, yeah. Um, but it's also like I read the novel and it was an American classic and it was amazing. Why would I waste my time with the TV show that will probably the be t- CBS TV show? That's yeah. the biggest issue. I know if it was on HBO, I I would be handing them that money. Yeah. Um, fun little tangent there. Yeah. <laughs> All that to say, book adaptions. Yeah. Right. <laughs> So, uh, yes, yeah, so now back to On Stranger Tides. Um, this movie is directed by Rob Marshall, who has directed Memoirs of a Geisha, uh, Chicago. The movie he directs before this is um, that movie with called Nine with Daniel Day-Lewis, where it's like a musical that is famously Isn't there a mov- like... an animated movie called Nine? There is, okay. yes. This is different, yeah. but it's famously like the rare kind of bad Daniel Day-Lewis performance. Oh, okay. The movie apparently I've never even heard of it. And didn't do well. Nobody I've saw actually it. seen none of those movies. Okay. <laughs> I've not, I've seen none of the nines either. No, I... Oh, okay. I meant... I've seen nine, the animated movie, but I haven't seen Memoirs of a Geisha or Chicago. Oh, I haven't either. The, the only other movie of his I've seen is Mary Poppins Returns, oh. which is pretty sweet and delightful. And then he also directed Into the Woods. Uh, you did say that, yeah. So... I get it. I get why they chose him. Okay. You know, big... These are movies with a lot of big set pieces, Mm -hmm. like musical set pieces and stuff. Um, But it it also... The movie has that look of, like, the live-action Disney movies. Yep. Which are all pretty ugly. They all... all, They they look look pretty washed out. Washed out and incredibly artificially lit. Yeah, and what's so cool, and we we talked about it so much, is that in the Gore Verbinski trilogy, particularly the lighting is unbelievable. Yeah, and and there's a lot more sets. I didn't feel like this movie had hardly any sets. Yeah. Um. I mean, it did, but it you know you could see like when they were at the lighthouse, it's like oh that's a fake like lighthouse. The water's fake. That's like all of this is fake, and it's not yeah. in an artistic way. Yeah. Um. I do understand, though, that Disney's thinking, hey, we we made three movies with a really strong visual style. We want to start kind of almost a reboot mm-hmm. in a way. Um, let's let's get a new visual style and not just tie it down to Gore Verbinski's. I, I'd imagine that's has something to play. Yeah. Um, but I don't think it works. No. <laughs> Um, so, uh, okay. Hans Zimmer did the music, which Hans, you phoned this one in for sure. Wasn't there another one he did that we talked about? He's, I, I love Hans. He's like in my top five composers. I love him so much, but sometimes he, he does just a Hans Zimmer score, you know, where it's like, just take those things I already did, add a couple extra drums and let's call it a night. I want to go back to working on the Interstellar score or something that has a lot of passion in it. Yeah. Maybe so, he his plate was too full. It probably was. I wonder, like, I do feel like we'd said this another time about his another score that he did, and I wonder if that movie came out in the same year or, or like, in the same time oh. period. And then there's, like, another movie he did within the same time period. Yeah. Well, it's... I I love him, and, and I don't want to throw any shade at Hans, but but, you know... When you when you are composing, you know, seven movies a year or whatever he's doing, three even, you know, you're, you're a, some of them aren't going to be as good as the others. Uh, 
That's just the fact, Jack. He's only human. Yeah. Um, And then again, this was shocking to me. It's the same cinematographer as the last three movies, Darius uh, Wolski, which is weird because... Yeah, so you said that, and then I... That makes me think that the relationship between him and the director are just different. Not bad. That's not what I mean. But it's just... It just... Him... The combination great gave us a different looking movie. Yeah, because looking back on those first three movies, I think... One of the strongest things, the the thing you could argue if if someone was saying, hey, Jordan, you're stupid and you don't have good film taste because you like the first three pirates. I think an easy thing you could argue is how good the movies look. Mm -hmm. And you could go through all of that. And then this movie, it doesn't feel like it really has a strong visual style. The only thing that was interesting to me was the Fountain of Youth. Oh, but I thought that was horrible. I hated the design of that. Um, I just thought I thought it was a little interesting, but the environment made no no logical sense. Maybe that's more. Yeah, yeah. I well, didn't I understand like, the rules of that area. Yeah, and it didn't even it didn't feel like an Alice in Wonderland type. There are no rules kind of thing. It just <laughs> yeah. felt like they were like, this would be cool if they came up through the ceiling through water, but then they could just leave however they want. <laughs> yeah, this movie, uh, and and. <sighs> You're, you're here, you know, but, I mean, you compare it to the last three and the world building, I'm shocked that this is the same two writers. Oh, yeah, me too. Me too, man. And again, it makes you wonder how much of just sharpening the screenplay and stuff like that, how much of that is Gore Verbinski? Yeah. Starting to come around to him being, like, one of the great American uh, art auteurs. Yeah, I take back when I saw the trailer for A Cure for Wellness and it said a Gore Verbinski film, and I said, who cares? Who is that? I take it back. Yeah, you should. And you know what? There, there's a lot of, there's a lot of people who think that we should reevaluate the Lone Ranger, which came out a couple years after this and is directed by Gore Verbinski. Oh, I've never seen it. it I would, thought that was a Tim Burton movie. No. Wait. It's a Gore Verbinski that would, movie. That wouldn't make sense because I we went through the blank check thing. Yeah, and we watched all of his movies. He, didn't he produce it? He did. He was I don't involved. Know. I'm looking it up. But that was Quentin Tarantino's favorite movie of that year, if you remember. But famously, we all know that Quentin Tarantino has the weirdest taste in movies. Yeah, uh, as far as I can tell, he has no involvement. <laughs> okay. Maybe maybe I was just young enough. Army Hammer's in that movie? Yeah, he's the main character. He's the Lone Ranger. Oh, I thought Johnny Depp. This is how little I know yeah. about Johnny Lone Depp Ranger. is Tonto. He plays a Native American. Oh. Whoops. <laughs> uh... Yeah, I think I was just young enough that when the movie came out and there were trailers, I was like, Johnny Depp, Tim Burton. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, but I'm not promising to the audience by any means that it's a good movie. Um, I have heard that there is, at the very least, there is a sequence that's phenomenal. Cool. A train sequence that's phenomenal. But other than that, I guess the movies can, some say it's bad, some say it's kind of actually good. Um, and Gore Verbinski directed Rango. We love Rango. Rango rules. Yep, we do. And A Cure for Wellness. It was good. I liked it. It's a little long, and it's very weird, but pretty cool for someone to make after making some blockbusters yep. and stuff. I, I mean, I know that Dane DeHaan is becoming a little one note to me as an actor, but I will, I'm still on the boat if I will watch anything he's in. Well, that was a, well, will you watch Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets? Potentially, because of the Patrick Willems video. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, but back to but, this. Oh, no, ne- well, never mind, never mind. What? I was just no, going to say, when he was talking about the movie and mentioned how him and the girl look like brother and sister, but they're <laughs> ro- 
romantically involved. <laughs> I was like, ooh, gross, weird. <laughs> they do look like brother and sister. Yeah. Okay. May 20th, 2011, this movie comes out. Now, Jordan, this movie has a budget of $410.6 million. That's too much money. That's huge. And that's probably... Well, the other movies had a ton, too. That's a lot of money. I think the last movie was like three seventy. That's still a lot of money. But, but this yeah. is... That's a lot. Oh, I've... I f- over 400, but they get a report that it's under 400 because they got a 32 million dollar tax credit from where they were filming. And where was that? I don't remember. You said you were going to look it up. I didn't. <laughs> Clearly. Um I feel like it was in London. Um Oh. But maybe not. Probably not. I don't remember. It doesn't matter. Um domestically the movie makes 241 million dollars. <laughs> And worldwide, it makes $1 billion. Okay, so they made its money back. So they did just fine. What country really likes that movie? I mean, a lot of times when there's a when there's that big of a difference, it's usually China. Yeah. So not that big of a difference, but China makes up for so much of the global box office. Mm-hmm. So, um, but you can see even with domestically 241, that's a lot of money. That's pretty good. But um, maybe it's waning a little bit. That totally. people people in the U.S. are like, okay, totally. Um, or maybe they're not watching it a second time. Yeah. So Disney approaches Gore Verbinski, and he's working on Rango, so he's not interested in doing it. Mm-hmm. And that movie, you know, a ton of like animation developments that they're working on and stuff like it's that. A, so such a good movie, and it holds up. Yeah. And then uh, Johnny Depp in this movie was involved in some of the story ideas. So one of his... Uh (laughs) (laughs) Uh-oh! One of his ideas was that Philip should be a missionary and they should have a Spanish contingent following protagonist. Oh, so he added the superfluous part of the movie to the movie. Thank you. I will say, I get the impression that maybe they had a Philip character and he was like, he should be a missionary. I'm not talking about him. I'm talking about the Spanish. Spanish. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. The Spanish thing... The missionary thing actually makes sense and is interesting. It's not, but it could have been. You know what I mean? Yes, in theory, yes. it's interesting. Yeah. Um, do you want to take a stab, just a wild guess, at how much money Johnny Depp was paid for this movie? Like $20 million? No. More? Way more. A hundred? Uh, way less. Uh, 70. <laughs> okay, $55.5 million. That's a lot. Does <laughs> Iron Man even get paid that much? I don't think so. Whoa. Um... Mackenzie Crook had this to say about the movie. Now he is because he's not in it. He's Dwight from yeah. the British UK office. office. He said they have the guy with the the fake eye. Yes, yes. He said they haven't asked me, but actually, I don't mind that at all. I'm a fan of the first one, especially, and I think the trilogy we've made is great. I'd almost like them to leave it there. Thank you, Mackenzie. Um, Cruz, Penelope Cruz, yeah, discovered she was pregnant while filming the movie. Wow. So they had to change her costume and stuff like that halfway through filming kind of a thing. Wow, okay. Never would have guessed. No, especially, but they're really good at that yeah, these days. But especially because the whole movie, anytime it's not a close-up, it's a stunt actor, which is so obvious and one of my huge complaints with the movie. Um, the <laughs> Now, <laughs> all but one scene was shot in 3D, so this was a 3D release. Okay. Um, you know, we're only two years away from past Avatar, so that makes sense. Um, and, two years away past which one is it uh, avatar came out in 2009 okay so then it makes sense that studios are okay. like 3d 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 okay so i just i thought this was funny audience 
And I actually don't understand the purpose of even ever talking about this as a producer of a movie. It makes no sense to me. Um, Casting for mermaids required the actresses to have natural breasts, no implants. As Bruckheimer explained to Entertainment Weekly, I don't think they had breast augmentation in the 1700s, so it's natural for casting people to say, we want real people. Oh. (laughs) <laughs> what a weird thing to say what is i don't even understand how that don't would have come up all yeah and it's also weird because so when you i don't really you don't see boobs in this exactly movie. when i when i went to when i saw that quote and then we're watching the movie and i hadn't seen the movie but i'd read that quote i thought okay so they must really push the boundaries on uh breast showing in a pg-13 yeah, yeah. movie and there was one shot that that I would consider like maybe a little risque. Sure. And Which one? When she's like pinned up against the post. Oh yeah. Okay. But she's in such distress and stuff, and they it's so quick. It's but it's just like I'm why pretty sure is, she has like a suit over her anyway. Yeah. So why I don't know why anyone would ever say that. That's so weird. Don't say that. No. That's odd. Very weird. Uh-huh. But I, I knew to drop that bomb on you. Thank you. And I wanted it to be on mic. I kept teasing it throughout the movie and yep. making jokes about about the potential of what I might be dropping in the episode. So let's hear about those actors. Okay, so we do have Penelope Cruz, as you said earlier. She plays Angelica. Uh, she is in Vanilla Sky. Vicky, Vicky Christina Barcelona. Her and Javier Bardem. Um... She's also in Volver. Let's see, let's see, let's see. She was in the American Crime Story Versace. She played Versace's sister. Right. She and was she was incredible. Good. Incredible in that show. She's in another movie. She's in Loving Pablo, which is another movie with Javier Bardem where they are together. Oh, that's interesting. Are and they married? They're married. They are? Yeah. That's a good couple. That's yeah. a good couple yeah i am a big javier bardem fan and who's in the next movie javier, yeah well i'm not excited that he's in the series but i yeah but i mean javier one has bardem. penelope one has javier bardem ah so she's with his child <laughs> during the filming of this movie <laughs> <laughs> um she's also in zoolander number two uh the counselor twice born i mean she isn't so much she's been in film as long as film's been around is how it feels you're calling her an old person (laughs) (laughs) which she's not and then ian mcshane an old person plays blackbeard he is in the john wick series um he's in deadwood that's right he is in deadwood yeah he's in kung fu panda one of these days i feel like i need to just go okay i'm watching deadwood you know yeah because it's got it's got timothy oliphant nothing but good things about it my dad, who is listening to this, I'm sure, he he was watching it and he said he said something about how they cussed too much. Like it, oh, it my it, dad really liked it and he never said that. Wow. Well, I think he was in his defense saying that uh he felt like it didn't make sense for the time period. I understand. That makes sense. But that's interesting. Come on. But the, aren't they a bunch of Aren't they a bunch of outlaw cowboys? <laughs> Actually, that might be uh mean to talk like that. I don't know. He's also in Hellboy, Bolden, Age of Sail, Pottersville. Can I? He's hit? also as old as film itself. He's in Game of Thrones. 
Can I, I know that. hit you with his best role of all time, though? Okay. He is Hot Rod's dad in Hot yeah, Rod, that's right. the He's greatest Rod. comedy. He's really good in that. Um, we have uh, covered Sam Claflin because he's in Hunger Games. Yes, he's the missionary in this movie. Yes. But then Astrid Burgess Frisbee. Frisbee. What? She is the mermaid. She's in King Arthur's... Well, first of the... all, you said Astrid, which just makes me think of The Office uh-huh. and them thinking that she uh-huh. named her Astrid. Um, and then Frisbee? F-R-I-S-B-E-Y. <laughs> okay. Frisbee. Frisbee. Uh, she's Spanish. Cool. Uh, she's, yeah, she's in King Arthur, the um, Charlie Hunnam that looks like the other Charlie Hunnam one. Um, oh, the, that's a Guy Ritchie movie. That's right. Uh, she's also in The Vault, The Vienners, The Driver. A lot of looks like independent stuff. Good for her. And Spanish stuff. Great. And then Stephen Graham plays Scrum. He's in Snatched. Snatch. Yeah. Uh, he's also in Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, Ugh, Greyhound. Put yourself to sleep, a spy. Yeah. The Irishman. Oh, he is in The Irishman. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Man, that movie's so also in Hellboy. good. He's in a lot of stuff. Yeah. Um, I think that just about does it for main people. Judy Dench makes a cameo appearance. Very weird. Very, very weird. Now, I will say... Judy her, Dench, society lady. In her defense, she does say, is that it? And then we don't see her again, which is kind of a fun commentary. Is she but, like a fan, though, of pirates? Like, know. why put her in this movie? She must have just been like on set or something. I don't know. Why else? But she's in all that costume. I, I know. Don't know. It takes time. Anyway. I mean, we love Dame Judy Dench. Dame Judy Dench. Isn't she... Judy Dench. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, before we even start on the plot, what do we think about the additional characters in this film? Like, the acting... What do we... Because I feel like you can't even begin to start this movie Yeah, I think it's a huge it. bummer how they wrote Penelope Cruz's character. Because... She is just the woman. She's the one, like, we need a female person in it. Let's stick her in it. Um, Talk about not uh, 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 passing the Bechtel test. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, with uh, Keira Knightley being in the first three and having such, being such a strong character, like such an important and strong character. And then we have this person in a franchise that's already has so few women. It's actually jarring. It, It really is. And she does a, really bad job but i think it's she's written it's just abysmal how she's written yeah and then the uh, guy from snatch i think he's whatever he's fine he's not as funny as mackenzie cook and the other guy which he he's like the he's like replacing work though because those guys work so well but that's what we want is mackenzie cook and the other guy yeah and this character was not at not even funny as funny yeah therefore he never like i never forgot about how much I miss the other guys. <laughs> yeah. And then... Um, Ian McShane. We got to talk about the Blackbeard of it all. But we can wait till we can wait till we're at that. But I, I should say... Um, and uh, so so my dad, he... And he has... I don't think he's done it the past couple of years, but at his work, American Family Insurance, he likes to play an April Fool's joke every year on them. You know, the classic dad stuff. And so, like, the first year he was working there, he he said, hey, I have Blazers tickets. Anyone want one? And then people would respond, and he'd go, April Fool's. Mm-hmm. I don't. Um, 
But one thing he did, which I did think was very funny. So he won a trip to the Bahamas through work Mm -hmm. and we went there. And so we were in the Caribbean and he took a picture of my sister and he, he like photoshopped, but on like Microsoft word or paint or something, this is like pre (laughs) access to Photoshop for most people. I'm sure if we looked at it now, we'd be like, how did anyone fall oh, for yeah, this? Yeah. But he made a fake article that said, like, Oregon girl finds Blackbeard's lost medallion. And he wrote this whole article about how this girl who was in the Bahamas, my sister, um, found this medallion that historians have been searching for for years and years. And he, like, wrote the article. <laughs> yeah. And then he sent it out on April Fool's and all these people are, are responding and they're going, that is the most incredible story. I've never heard anything <laughs> like this. That's funny. So I had to mention that on the episode about Blackbeard. Yeah. Um, so this movie begins and they there are these Spanish people and they catch a man in a net. Do we ever find out who that man was at the beginning? It doesn't matter who he is. He's just carrying a message. What is he carrying? What's the message? I don't. <laughs> I don't know. He's carrying a book, and I think it's. I think it's Ponce de Leon's book, which I'm assuming proves that you can get there. That's right. That's so it right. proves to the Spanish king. I don't. I don't know like what government they had during this time, but like, oh, we can. The Fountain of Youth is real. Okay. Um, we're going to get it and already right away and i i i wasn't trying to carry this into the movie but it 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 really felt like a jarring experience of looking and going oh this just looks and feels way different uh-huh. we're t- five minutes into the movie and uh-huh. i'm going this is weird yeah and i was struggling to grasp on it once we got to I the think court a scene. big issue with it and i don't know if this is what you're gonna say too much jack sparrow I wasn't going to say that. I don't know if he can carry a whole movie. That is interesting and definitely correct. It's the... If you really think about the other movies, yeah, he's in them most of the time, of course. But what he's not actually like doing much to move the story forward. I mean, if he is, it's for selfish reasons and that's what's interesting. But it's like your straight man's, your... Uh, Will Turner and Elizabeth Swan, like we need to do this thing. Well, it's it's actually the classic like Han Solo thing. He's the Han Solo character in a way, a version of it where a movie that centers around Han Solo, you realize, oh, he's a really fun character, but this isn't as fun when it's just about him. Yes, like he needs to be the guy that's in the distance. Like Will Turner's kind of weird, huh? That he's like joking with the audience. And when it is just about Jack Sparrow, it's a little lacking. Now, the other big problem, this is, the I think, the biggest problem of the movie, is we saw an entire character arc with Jack Sparrow where he learned how to be selfless, at least for an action or two, and was able to kind of claim his own destiny, but also, you know, be a scummy pirate at the end of the day. But, you know, when he dies, he chooses to attack that kraken in the second movie yeah um oh that's what you're talking about yes and he does an act of selflessness and then he comes back and he's able to help people and it's there's still some selfishness but he learned yeah and so he has a nice complete character arc yeah there's nothing there's nothing more for him to learn so when when we come into this movie it's just like oh i got i'm interested in finding a puff pastry or i'm 
Like, uh, I know they try to make a character arc with him and Penelope Cruz, but I don't know what it is. It's just this random girl that he was with. Yeah. That I guess he was in love with. But at the end of the movie, you find out he wasn't really, but he is kind of. Mm-hmm. It's So the, the main character doesn't really have a character arc. No. So that's not very interesting no. to me. And then... I don't even know. Like, hardly anyone does in this movie. Yeah. Um, and then the the other big problem, and I hate to say this because I have to include Barbosa in this comment. We love Barbosa. We love Jeffrey Rush. But in the in this movie, it feels like those two characters, Jack Sparrow and Barbosa, are now they are no longer actors inhabiting a role and exploring the role. Yeah. They're caricatures of what they were doing in the other three movies. Yeah. No, that's so true. And so it's not super it doesn't feel very genuine. It, it it doesn't feel also, like... Also, I didn't buy anything that Captain Barbosa did. Like, why he would... Oh, his storyline was It made all no over sense. Yeah. It made sense in a very basic way. Okay. You know what I mean? Like, I can say what happened, and you go, yeah, that makes sense, but I, there's no emotion I, well, to I it. Well, I don't believe that that would happen, right. too. Right. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> we're still... Um, so, let's get to the court scene. This is where the movie kind of jumps the shark almost. So we see Gibbs comes into this court and Jack Sparrow is running the court. And Gibbs is being prosecuted as Sparrow. Yeah. And then... He um, sent Jack, under the guise of a judge, sentenced him to life in prison. Yeah. And then... So they're taking Gibbs away to be put in prison and then Jack takes off the robe and the wig and all that stuff and gets into the back of the thing with Gibbs and he's like, we're getting out of here. I bought I you're free and Which it, we, it's like oh an elaborate ruse from Jack this was funny it's just weird though because we we do have weird goofy stupid stuff in the other three movies I know. but it really just doesn't land in this. what I didn't really like too, and I, I mean I'm maybe this happened back in history but like people it was leading up to that scene and people were like hang hanging where there's a hanging today this is so exciting and the little girl's like dad there's a hanging today <laughs> and he's like, no, 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 it's just trials today. Yeah. <laughs> just so weird. Get into the courthouse quickly so we see who dies. <laughs> just kind of weird. Yeah. Um, so they, they make an escape, and there's this carriage chase. Uh, Judy Dench is in it. Um, Jack- oh, well, that's not... Well, right before that, though, was when he's talking to the king. Oh, I was thinking that was after. Yes. So the, he was... Jack was duped, and he's now in front of the king and the king is uh uncle vernon dursley from Harry Potter. uh he um understands that jack knows where the fountain of youth is and wants him to find it for uh-huh. you know for his own reasons and then that's when barbosa comes in and he's now like working for the royal navy or whatever and uh then jack escapes and it's just so boring like yeah. you mentioned the choreographed well, stuff is just not that interesting. The, the, they don't really use their environments, which is a uh-uh. fun thing that in a sword fight to do. Um, well, I think that they do. I really think that they do because he, in that scene, he, you know, he swings on the chandelier. He does, he goes to the window. Uh, and then later on with Penelope, when they introduce her character, they're yeah. like all over You're the right. room. But the choreographed stuff is just so... Uh, boring that like people are what's actually happening if you really think about it is both of the actors are just standing there yeah and it's really clear especially in that scene so you know there's all this business it's bad 
it, uh, we don't like it. But you're still kind of tracking. On a basic level, it's okay, and it's kind of working. Like, really good fan film is how I feel about this movie. It's like, yeah, you as far got- as fan film go, yeah. great. But um, he goes to meet someone who's been going around town calling themselves Jack Sparrow, and he has this fight. It turns out it's Penelope Cruz, and she's him. dressed like him. And the fight, you're looking, and it's just like, that's clearly not Johnny Depp or Penelope Cruz. Like, almost the entire fight, unless yeah. it's close-ups. And there's just this disconnect, I felt, in all of the action sequences. I understand not everyone is Tom Cruise, and not everyone's going to do their own stunts. I understand that one of the actors was pregnant. Yeah. <laughs> but there's just this, it feels like a lack of um, care for the art of martial for the, arts and for the, stuff for the bar that they set in the last three movies with action. Yeah. So it's just kind of boring. Yeah. And also, uh, when you have a woman who is dressed as a man and then it's revealed that she's a woman and she's taking off the wig, taking off the facial hair, I guess they also rip open their shirt. Well, I think the implication is her breasts were like taped to herself very tightly. And then when she ripped off that clothing and her bosoms were allowed bosoms? to, her bosoms were allowed to breathe, you know, I but it's also the implication very, is her, they, her, she rips her shirt open. Yeah. It's, it's, it's filmed from a male's perspective yeah. for, for certain. <laughs> so you really immediately learn, okay, this is the kind of female character we're going to get her. And then the mermaid who's going to be in captivity the whole time. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, man. We're not even to the mermaids yet. Um, also, in all these action sequences, the geography is really unclear. I, no, don't, I yeah. don't know where the people are at or what they're doing exactly. And then it'll just cut to like a random person showing up. It it just doesn't. I want a nice wheel with people fighting inside of a wheel. And you just watch and you go, that's so cool. <sighs> we don't get that. So, um, the British armies breaking in, broke into the pub, the bar, whatever this is. Yeah. So they need to escape. Uh, there is a little bit of a fight sequence with them, uh, with Penelope and Jack, and then they escape. And uh, he does learn throughout all of this that Penelope's trying to get to the Fountain of Youth. Yeah. And it, she alludes to that she is a captain of a ship, and like come with me. And then you also learn like they do have a history. A romantic history. Yeah, which and is really I, I always, intriguing. I just said, it always feels so forced and contrived when, like, characters meet after a really long time and it ended badly. And it's like, they're, it's like they're picking up right where their last fight ended. Yeah, yeah. And it just always feels so unnatural and forced to me. But it's only to try to tell me information. I don't like it. People well, need to stop doing it. And, and I'm not a big fan of the trope. It's, it, 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 I'm sure there are examples of it being fun and great. But I, I'm not a big fan of like Jack Sparrow's fighting and fighting and fighting and fighting, and then and then they're shooting it like, and look at this, it's a girl that's fighting him. That's right, a girl. Okay. Yeah, I understand. Yeah. Like what? Yeah. It it's so annoying. Yeah. So they escape, and then uh, one of her crewmen uh, shoots him with a dart, and he passes out. Yeah. Now, um. Then we... Uh, we have to talk about... I think it's right before this. Oh, okay. Uh, Gibbs is now in custody again. He's the best actor and the best performance in the movie <laughs> really, by far. He really is. He is, but he, he barely He still brings it. it. He does. Um, so he is in... Yeah, he's in custody, and Barbosa like, is going to hang him uh-huh. because he's a pirate. And uh, 
basically telling Gibbs like you have no you're of no worth to me and you're a criminal so you're gonna die and Gibbs is trying to figure out ways to show his worth so they don't kill him and he pulls out the map that he stole from Jack uh-huh. and I, do you remember how awkward that scene was he like unspools it and Burroughs <laughs> is like give it here and Gibbs like I, I mean I this is not he a like, joke what I'm about <laughs> to mind but he's like I know this is not great podcast stuff but he's like <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> just like he he kind he goes he kinda, like he's gonna hand to him and then just f- drops on the ground slowly turns to the lantern grabs it and put like there's ample time to get the map back yeah it, it very much feels like okay one two three drop and then one two grab lantern okay one and okay like he was I hit having, all my cues. having a bad day and couldn't remember his beats but yeah. uh then so basically he's like i know with the map in my mind now i'm of worth and they couldn't kill him yeah now we're back to jack um so now jack is on blackbeard's ship now i i'm at some point i want you to jump into your research today that you made about blackbeard but one thing that is insane to me so we have like obviously the the perfect analogy to compare to is davy jones and we he has this crazy crew and we learn that the crew are other lost souls and they slowly become part of the ship that explains their design. It explains what's going on. So Blackbeard, and correct me if I'm wrong, Blackbeard's thing is he has people and he turns them into zombies. Mm-hmm. For what purpose? I think to to make them, like they're, those are his first mates. I mean, Penelope's his first mate, but to, you know, I, it makes to no keep sense. everyone in line. Well, and it's, uh, they don't look cool. They look, they don't look cool at all. And there's no, um, they don't have any like special power that makes them unique to any of the other crews. We've other seen than being other big movies. and cranky. Yeah. And one gets stabbed and he doesn't die, but you know, we've seen skeletons. We saw that in the last three movies because we yeah. had skeletons and then the ship people, it was really hard to kill them or yeah, the, so, the crustacean people. But, yeah. um, yeah, I know that was such a, it's such a bummer because it's like, yeah, he zombified them and it's like, um, cool more please and they don't say anything else and i'm also confused it just and uh, i could definitely be wrong about this but it feels like isn't zombie like kind of a newer word in the history of the world like are they really saying like that's a zombie yeah i don't know if that like like word zombie is used back then but i'm sure that there's stuff about the the dead coming back to life in some way but if you're i mean wouldn't it just be cooler to be like he resurrects the dead and they are the undead, the undead crew of Captain Blackbeard instead of Captain Blackbeard's zombies. Yeah. I, I mean, I, it's lame because the last three movies are so exposition heavy, almost to a fault. And they, there's not that much exposition in this movie. Yeah. Which is really my favorite part, I think, which is weird to say because it's usually not. <laughs> yeah. But. Well, the lore is cool and yeah. they expand upon it in cool ways. And this one. They just go, oh, here's some lore. Uh, we're not going to explain it, but we do have to explain this one thing for the next scene so that you are set up for it. Yeah. And you go, well, you didn't really earn it. You just told me in a sentence that that needed to happen, and then now, two minutes later, you're doing it. Yeah. Are you going to give me credit for that cool pirate impersonation I just yeah, did? Yeah, it was pretty good. Okay. So Jack's on the ship for a while before he meets up with Blackbeard or before he's revealed to us. But we learn, obviously, Penelope is not the captain. Uh-huh. She's the first mate. She's his daughter, Blackbeard's daughter. Um, and then 
he meets some of the other crew, Scrum being one of them, and he's talking to them around candlelight and is basically encouraging all of the crew to rise up against Blackbeard because he realizes no one's seen him. Yeah. Therefore, maybe he's not even on the ship. <laughs> yeah. Which I thought that that was pretty funny and fun. They're like, Because yes, like, yes. the thing about Jack is he has all those fun, confusing wordplay, like word yeah. kind of puzzles. And these are his best type of scenes where, totally. you know, he's like bouncing off of an audience like a like a comic at an open mic set. Totally. So he gets he gets all the other guys riled up and they start taking over the ship. Yeah. And then old Blackbeard comes out and can and has superpowers. Yeah, <laughs> so I just want to. Blackbeard can control. So, so this is Blackbeard. He can control his ship through the power of his sword, like a uh, like a superhero commanding like, a symbiote, like Doctor Strange and his magical cape. Okay, he can do that. Apparently, he sleeps a lot and hides from his crew. Yeah, we get no explanation for either one of dolls these things. Of all of them. Yeah, he has voodoo dolls which have no payoff in the movie whatsoever. No. Nope. They just literally throw it off a cliff and don't bring it up again. I thought that that part was kind of funny. Kind of funny. But, you know, you're you're absolutely right. But it, what what purpose did it serve to have a voodoo doll? I mean, the only purpose it served in the scene where it was revealed was to get Jack to comply. <laughs> but it's like, <laughs> okay, you felt the need to make a voodoo doll, but there's no payoff to it. Why don't get rid of the voodoo doll and just hurt jack until well, he complies okay so indiana jones temple temple of doom there's a guy who makes voodoo dolls in it jack uh jack is that the one where the heart gets pulled out of the chest yes oh and scary so, so throughout the movie harrison ford and other characters i can't remember how many voodoo dolls there are but at least harrison ford he gets like injured or get like um um can't think of the word but he he gets paralyzed stopped from doing what he's doing or or temporarily disabled you know and then there's a scene toward the end where he's about to get smashed by rocks or by this boulder this thing that smashes rocks excuse me and so there's a guy watching and he's using the voodoo doll to to prevent him from uh getting away Uh so it actually serves a purpose this movie (laughs) they're just like look at this voodoo doll do you feel hot when i hold it over a candle jack Okay, that's it for the voodoo doll. We're going to throw it off a, um, a cliff later for no purpose at all. So Blackbeard's got all those things. He makes voodoo dolls for some reason. We don't know, and it doesn't make sense. He puts ships in bottles. That's another thing he does. Again, really cool idea. Expound upon it, please. Because we do find out when Barbosa is introduced <laughs> that the Black Pearl has been sunk. You Like, that's what jack concludes yeah is that it sunk so he lost it although barbosa just said he lost it and then you see when that is revealed that the that blackbeard um took the ship and he put it in a bottle and it's like how the f does that work how the f does that work uh-huh. tell me and why is he doing it because you, you like there's so little explained about him and i'm not interested in him yeah. i'm more just annoyed because he's just like a pretentious old man <laughs> yeah. who can make ropes do things he wants them to do by touching his sword yeah and then and then finally he does so he uh he makes people zombies so he has like five things he is quite the talented person and they none of them are explained with any motivation five things and none of them make him immortal which is really what he's trying to be by going to the fountain of youth <laughs> yeah, pretty yeah. surprising yeah so i i don't get it and then you i mean is there any credence to expounding upon the folklore of blackbeard yeah so i looked up 
Blackbeard. Um, and because I, because like growing up as a kid, I knew who he was, you know, yeah. you know, Blackbeard, Blackbeard's a pirate. Blackbeard. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and so I look him up and he is a real person that lived. Uh, he's, um, is it Edward Teach? Is that what they said in the movie? Cause that's his real name. Oh, I did not catch that. I, I had a hard time paying attention on this movie and I'm usually pretty devoted when we're doing a podcast movie, but Edward Teach is his name. And they do say that in the movie. Barbosa is calling him Edward Teach. And he earns okay. the name Blackbeard because of his black beard. Um, it was reported to be very long and luscious. Uh-huh. Uh, or oftentimes uh, braided, which in this okay. movie, his beard is braided. Because I, as re- I was reading, I was like, yeah, his beard's black, but it's not that interesting. <laughs> yeah. But it is braided, so it's like, okay. Um, and he's also known to um, intimidate enemies by putting slow-burning matches in his hat. So like, it looked like he was on fire. Okay. And, and like I'm assuming his countenance was also very scary. Just his, he's a very his boat shoots fire too, for some reason. In the yeah, in the movie. Yeah. Not in real life. Yeah. Uh but he <laughs> he I'm assuming it was a very scary looking person. Yeah. No matter if there were matches or whatever, because that's how people reported him to be like the devil himself, like looked mm-hmm. like it. And it's like, that's pretty interesting. And then I go on to read repeat. There is no indication or proof that he has ever killed or harmed anyone. <laughs> <laughs> um, he was definitely a pirate. 100%. Uh, there's also evidence that he might've been born into like a noble family. Mm-hmm. And later on in his life became a pirate being, being active as a pirate. That's only a couple years of his life. And he does die a pirate. Like he gets. Yo-ho, like, yo-ho. Yeah. But um, yeah, he hooks up with another pirate and they start like, you know, taking over boats. He even um, takes over a boat containing slaves. Wow. And I was like, that's interesting. Does he like make them his crew uh-huh. or what? whatever? He just makes everyone get off the boat. I mean, <laughs> he has his own crew. Yeah. But uh, so he makes everyone get off the boat. <laughs> slaves crew people included and him and his crew sail away on the boat and i think that might be the boat that becomes queen anne's revenge okay potentially i can't really remember and then he put a ton of like 40 guns on it like cannons and guns and stuff on this boat and then i think at one point he was in command of three ships so like he was a very formidable pirate that did like terrorize people Uh. and stole a lot of stuff especially wine well, and he lost a medallion in the Bahamas. No. I mean, <laughs> not that I could see. Uh, funny enough, his uh, story is a little not as sensational as I thought it was, and I didn't finish it. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I think I got what I need <laughs> yeah, to paint yeah. a picture of who this person is. So that is Blackbeard. He does sound like an interesting character for sure. Yeah. But, like, I don't think he's killed anybody. Yeah. And he was pardoned later in his life. <laughs> So. Well, and and a, a listener. And this is fictional. We know it's right. Fictional. I was gonna say yeah. you, you might be thinking like, "What are you guys talking about?" I thought you guys liked Gonzo crazy stuff, but I I've it it just feels like it breaks what previous movies have established as their yeah. view on folklore. And I think because being a kid and knowing who Blackbeard was and just knowing that he was a bad pirate, like uh-huh. that's really where the folklore begins and ends on him. Yeah. With Davy Jones, he is folklore. There is no Davy Jones. It's Davy Jones' locker, and they they personified him. That's cool. Oh, so there. Oh, that's all there I've is. I've looked it up before, and it's that's what it's like. The bot, like the depths of the ocean. When you die at sea, so it's you not go based to on Davey. a real person. Or I haven't looked it up in a long time. Maybe someone I mean, who's I didn't listening think it was, but. knows. But 
Um, he he is like the keeper of the souls who died at sea. Yeah. Very. I mean, the folklore is enough to make to paint an interesting character, and then they added a little bit more to him, made him cooler. Yeah. But like Blackbeard is someone who actually lived. Yeah. And they did try to add things to him and make him cooler. But wouldn't it be almost a little bit cooler if he wasn't magical? Yeah. And like, okay, sure. He, maybe he can still somehow through physics and science shoot fire. Like, cause that's still pretty crazy. What if though he just was this crazy pirate and there was a scene where, you know, Jack Sparrow says, Hey, just kill this guy. And he's like, I never killed anybody before. And you find out he's a big fraud. Yeah. And you, then you'd look it up and you'd go, that's too sensational. And you'd go, Oh, I guess he was like that. That's interesting. Yeah. But instead, I, I, I just don't get the purpose of choosing Blackbeard except for, in the novel, I guess Blackbeard is in it. Yeah. And I, I, I don't understand his powers. I don't understand his powers. Yeah. <laughs> That's the big problem. So they, they need to catch a mermaid now. And in a scene... To get her tear. Before where they're like, hey, we need to get a mermaid's tear for this fountain of youth. And you go, okay, I guess. They, not only that, they have to take their, her with them because her tears don't stay good that long. Yeah. And and again, they're doling this information out like either as it's happening or just before. So your brain doesn't have time to, to go, oh, they set that up. You go, oh, mm. they're not setting anything up. They're just telling us right before it happens. So there is what I put in my notes, the boat foreplay scene, the foreplay boat scene where i was looking at davy jones yeah when they use a lighthouse to try and attract mermaids and singing onto a boat to get these sailors and it was a certain like it would think it was like a summer night all all of the signs were pointing to mermaids that evening yeah and i just feel like the edge is so gone from the series because remember how in all the other movies there there was stuff that you and i commented where we're like that's kind of intense that they put this in this movie you know, like the raven poking out the guy. Uh-huh. And I am not asking for movies to be edgier and darker. I promise really? you. Really? Because I got one for you. <laughs> but that it's like, okay, you have these mermaids. You know, we know about the siren mythology. Mm-hmm. This this could be pretty interesting and pretty weird. And then it's like, they just go to a very well-lit area. The mermaids come out and attack them. It's all not awesome looking cg effects are just so bad and you have like i oh the other movies look so good they look so good in 2020 you could release those movies in 2020 and they would look yeah i would still be i would be commenting on how good they look (laughs) i know and then this movie comes out after all those movies and they look so bad the the mermaids and i I just I, I mean, it's, I feel like, like they say, okay, the, the mermaids will trick you, so take heed, be careful. And then there's really no, just the one guy is kind of like, oh yeah, I want to be with this mermaid and die. It's worth it for me. And everyone else is unaffected, and they're fine. And there's no, there's no tension in the scene. And I'm just thinking, okay, you had all these weird like dream sequences in the previous movie. Why not do something weird? Go weird. Don't do something we've seen before. Make it where they go through a weird cave and they're singing and all these sailors have like these weird visions of grandeur oh, you want or something. Charles Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory weird Yes, tunnel. 
Actually, scene. yeah, that would be so cool. They go through, they're seeing their weird visions, and then all of a sudden, Gene Wilder shows it, up. It changes to darkness and craziness, and the mermaids are attacking them, and no, you can't Charlie see the them. Chocolate Factory. Yeah, you know something like such that. such a bummer. So such a missed opportunity. The the there's a Christian missionary that is already on Black Beard's ship when Jack gets there. Yeah. So when did they get him? We don't know. Why is he keeping him like up on the stern, like basically starving and dehydrated? Yeah. That's pretty interesting to me that that's like in in media's race of his story. Very interesting. Uh, And then that's about it, you know, because we don't like spend enough time with him to really get a sense of who he is. But he becomes the person who, like you said, saves the mermaid. Uh-huh. Um, is he's like thinking of her to the point of like she's suffocating in her tank, so he helps her breathe, and yeah. then he forms feelings for her, and he saves her, and he'll he's willing to die for her, and this all and it, happens in less than twenty four hours. And it's so weird because the, there's no there is no conflict beyond just the obvious, like he wants to save her, but you have a missionary, and. Of course, like Christians can get married and stuff like that. Um, that's that's fine, but it's like maybe you could come up with a religious conflict between mm-hmm. him falling in love with this mermaid that would make this more intriguing. Well, it's pretty interesting that the like the Christian missionary is the most like open-minded and like the most his heart is the most open. Yeah. To uh, like willing to understand someone. I just, there's usually, yeah. usually Christians are not painted in that way in movies, yeah. especially like, yeah, yeah, they're just usually not painted that way where they're like the altruistic person. There's usually a guess, motive to it. I guess we won one on this one. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, yeah, I found that really interesting that he's like, she has a name, she's a person, she has an identity and I love her and I want to save her. And I just, Wish that they had maybe spent more time on that part of it. Yeah. But also, I don't care. But you don't care because they didn't spend enough time (laughs) on it. Um, Also, I think that the actor's pretty good. Yeah, I want to see him in something that's not a movie I dislike. Yeah. (laughs) Well, he he is good in uh, Catching Fire. Yeah. But the the Mockingjay movies are just... Do a lot of the same auditions. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But as as we know from this podcast, the Mockingjay movies are a complete disaster. Yeah. So um, he's gone before those. Right? Oh, does he die in Catching Fire? He dies at some point. Because I think he dies, or his his friend, the the old woman, dies. She in, definitely in Catching does. Fire, and then I think in Mockingjay he dies, part one. Yeah. Whatever. Um. So we have to watch them again. So <laughs> I know. I hope they don't make the new book I hope that's our coming. Kids out. don't. We'll, we'll censor that from our children. I'm just kidding. That's terrible. They can watch it no, in another can. room yep. <laughs> by themselves. <laughs> so, um, okay. We have all this. Should we just get to... So we're let's go to the mermaid hole. Yeah. There's a lot of dead mermaid carcasses, and they string her up. They are trying to get her to cry. They kill <laughs> this, the Christians. makes no sense to me. At the meanwhile, while this is happening, they force Jack to go find Ponce de Leon's boat to yeah. get the chalices. That's the one. That's the kind of funny scene because he needs to like jump off a cliff. Yeah, but he's afraid to do it, and Penelope wants to do it for her dad. And they throw the voodoo doll 
off the cliff because Jack asked if, if he'll if it'll hurt him if he jumps. So there's the voodoo doll. And I think it's funny that Jack's screaming as his voodoo doll is. <laughs> yeah, no, that <laughs> is, is a good that's funny. And then yeah, so then he goes And it's just a very clear scream. Just a ah there's no shaking in his voice. <laughs> yeah, very funny. Um so while that's happening, uh he's finding the chalices and when he gets to Ponce de Leon's boat, uh Barbosa's there. Mm-hmm. He kind of shows up out of nowhere. <laughs> I just don't even understand in why he's in the movie and what he's trying to do. Meanwhile, the Spanish Armada is <laughs> yeah, yeah. also on their tail or ahead of them. Oy vey, why? Well, here's the thing. We find out that um I that I think I think it on the Black Pearl. Um but maybe maybe it was um what's his name's boat blackbeard he strung up barbosa by his leg mm. and then barbosa would rather lose his leg than be taken by blackbeard so he cuts off his own leg oh was that the story yes and that's why he put he has the peg leg the yeah. whole movie and so the whole movie he's trying to get revenge on him yes that's his ulterior motive but it, i don't know it just doesn't it's not you didn't have to join the royal navy to do that you you're pirate i mean <laughs> I, couldn't you just rile up some guys some angry guys and go after him it in just boat? it doesn't work for me yeah and, i um, don't like it and i almost and also uh, no i'm sorry go ahead i just was gonna say i just wish that they would have gotten rid of the british stuff the british stuff the the royal navy london yeah. get rid of all of it and make let the spanish have a shot at having a story because they're they you get rid of them and you don't even bat an eye because they're mm -hmm. that they make that little of an impact on the story but for some reason you felt the need to include them which makes sense because they were very act the spanish were very active yeah. pirateering and all of the high seas during this time period get rid of the british stuff you got three movies to do that <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah and now it's the spanish armada that's what i think what should have happened yeah it's just it's wild i i it, 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 there's it's weird because i want so much more out of this movie but there's too much at the same it's Yo. simultaneously like way too much yeah and not nearly enough yeah um so you know there's all this business that i whatever and and there's a lot of that stuff that i always push against in my own brain because i want to believe in movies yeah but you know you have this mermaid she's tied up he unties her the missionary, she swims out to the open sea from that hole. So why were the mermaids letting other mermaids get dragged there and killed? I think they're already dead when they get there. But, well, no, they're tying them up so they can get tears. I don't think that many people are coming to the Fountain of Youth. Well, that's another thing I'm confused about because it was a graveyard of mermaids. Yeah. And they said that's how they get tears from them. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's unexplainable. But you have, you know, like she just swims away. It's yeah. not just a hole. It, yeah. It's like it goes out to the ocean. Yeah. So why are the mermaids not just doing... Does she make Missionary Boy a mermaid? I would hope so. She says, I can save you if you ask. I think that's what she did. Oh, yeah. Doesn't she just drag him to the bottom and that's it? Maybe she kills him again? like they said that they do. <laughs> well, and she also gets legs at one point. They don't explain it. They so when a mermaid it. is out of water, she can walk. Yeah. Fun fact. Um, as far as I know, you got to take her voice in order for her to use her legs. Yeah, and that's when she starts talking is when she gets legs. So it makes no sense. 
But uh, fortunately, Rob Marshall will be able to explore it in his live action adaption of Little Mermaid coming they next year that? or the year after. They gave it to him? Yeah, he's got it. I mean, he's done mermaids before, so. He did them poorly once. He can do them poorly again. Mm. Who's uh, Ariel? Um, it is this person that I don't think I know. Seems like an exciting cast choice to me, though. Um, the Little Mermaid. Oh, 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 you are going to be. <laughs> Just show me a picture. First of all, Flounder is. Oh, I did look this up recently, but tell me again. Flounder is played by your boy, Jacob Tremblay. Yes. Uh, Melissa McCarthy is Ursula. Yes. That's good casting. Yes. Uh, Javier, because she'll be funny. and Oh, yeah, and she'll that, be funny. She'll be so like. She's got a good voice, crazy. too. Yeah. Javier Bardem is King Triton. Yeah. Um, and then who plays, um, Aquafina is Scuttle. Yes. Ariel is Hallie Bailey. Oh, that's right. It's this person. Yeah. I don't think I've seen her in anything, but yeah, she looks cool. Do you think that her parents made her name sound like Hallie Berry or that's her stage name? As Hallie Lynn Bailey. She's an actress known hmm. for the last. Yeah. I don't know. Did you say you wanted to know? There was another person in it. I thought maybe it's Aquafina that I was like, cool. Yeah. Aquafina's in everything now. Love it. Um, so let's get to the fountain of youth. Okay. Now here's something. They get to this fountain and they're like, Jack, you've been here before. I don't get why anyone would think that Jack had been there. Whatever. Let's why do people keep it. trusting him? <laughs> yeah. And he has the two chalices. Now this is the most convoluted thing. Granted, the series is convoluted. That's part of the fun of it, but it's not fun convoluted. This isn't this isn't Indiana Jones solving puzzles fun. Well, that's what I kept thinking of because this is literally the Last Crusade. Mem yeah. Remember in that sequence, he has riddles and he's trying to figure out yep. what to do. And you, as an audience member, because Steven Spielberg rules so much, are trying to figure it out at the same time as he is. Yes. And every time he figures it out, you're like, oh. That's what you think. Yep. And this is like, he's standing there and they're going, where's the fountain of youth? And then he just looks at the cup and reads words on them. Agua de vida. Nothing, nothing that we had a chance to look at beforehand. So we didn't get a oh. go. Oh, yeah. I wish I would have thought of that. Yeah. And then. Well, it's funny too, because he, he clings them together and it does nothing. Yeah. And they're like, oh, we're going to kill you. And then he's like, wait, wait, wait. Bullock <laughs> holds up the cups and he's like, agua de vida. <laughs> Um, and then water shows up in the ceiling and they enter it through the ceiling, through the water. Um, the set he, so that now they're at the fountain of youth. Yeah. <laughs> and just, just at, to say, we've had a scene where in this very series where a boat was underwater and flipped upside down and on a cinematography visual level, it looked really cool. It looked unbelievable. And this is like, he just pops up out of the water. Yeah. Not, not much visual style. Not even wet. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um so now we're at the fountain of youth i do think this set is pretty interesting i think the actual fountain design is pretty interesting that it's just more like a drip or like a thin stream of water and not yeah bubbling a ton of water that's filling up the whole place um everyone follows him after but then at some point okay wait okay yeah so they follow after and then the royal navy shows up with barbosa and then the spanish armada shows up and it's just so like all these people solved people. the riddle and we're just like yeah yeah cool we're immediately here. immediately they all start fighting jack has a funny thing where he's like why would you all fight for both of these men blackbeard and this barbosa that doesn't make sense they all start fighting each other anyway because that's what you do in a movie is you fight the missionary is trying to get out 
and you see him like walk upstairs and then he's <laughs> back with the mermaid and it's yeah, like that's, that's not how you got here <laughs> yeah. how do you get out of here and they don't show anyone else getting out so yeah. oh my gosh it's so confusing because it looks like they're just in a like ruins yeah that made me so yeah. annoyed and the spanish i mean they they say like we won't drink this like pagan water or something like that yeah which they never once established that the spanish want to find the fountain to destroy it did they no no okay no they did establish that they're catholics earlier in the movie but i don't know who cares i don't know how that has to do with the fountain of youth so then they pull down like pillars and break the fountain that that was just like so oh my gosh that for me i mean i checked out a long time ago in this movie but that for me was like what this (laughs) is a piece of garbage everything that i'm watching that was so dumb yeah why did you need why did you need the spanish to do that you could have just had the blackbeard part of people storyline a second storyline whether it's the spanish armada or the royal navy they the second story could have done it yeah so then you know um blackbeard is about to die because barbosa stabs him with with a, with a poison, poison thing that they they established in a couple scenes before where he's just gathering toads honestly i wanted the whole movie to be him kept capturing frogs that'd have been cool um and then uh penelope gets cut as well yeah and so then so they gotta make a choice yeah johnny depp like and i will say they did establish this very clearly at the fountain of youth you have a chalice and another person has a chalice you put the teardrop of the mermaid in one of the chalices and the person who drinks so both drink and the person with the mermaid tear gains all of the years of the other person who drank yeah that's cool to me i like because that. there are consequences that's a fun twist on the fountain of youth as far as i know yeah from what little i know about the fountain of youth yeah but here's what i don't like about it so i've always been and maybe this is maybe someone will point this out to me but actually please don't I just feel like a fountain of youth. Okay. If I drink it, it's a rejuvenating elixir that then causes me to de-age. But if I have a mortal wound, I'm still going to die. It doesn't de-age. It doesn't like cure you of wounds. What is that? What if you had cancer? I don't think I don't. Well, maybe I just feel like if you're bleeding out and you're about to die, you have poison running through your veins. I don't see how drinking from the fountain of youth is going to help you. You're doomed. That's what I think. Maybe it gets rid of immediate illnesses. But well, if she, clearly that's what they're saying. I've just never thought that about the fountain of youth. And I think it's what dumb. What did you think of the fountain of youth? I, no, I thought you just drank it and it shaved off 20 years. Shaved off or added on? Like it brought you down, you know? Oh. So say say you're 20. But you don't live longer? Oh, I guess in theory you would live longer. Yeah, like you're 60, you take a swig of water. Now you're 40 really gotta watch the fountain i don't uh, remember i don't remember how they do it I, it's always tough for me to turn on a movie that has three different stories that are supposed to either connect or oh, like throughout time i'm sorry so you don't like pulp fiction i said it's hard for me okay. to turn on one of those movies okay. and and i will say like i like i was saying that the, they're like in different time periods and they're you like know. pulp fiction is one big story no, which is no cool. i know that was a joke anyway it's just always hard for me to turn them on yeah so you'll probably have to force me to watch i guarantee you i will forget that that movie exists by the time we're done recording this podcast uh, therefore you I'm don't gonna, have to watch right it. when i right before we press in record i'm gonna say remember the fountain and that'll be my sign off for this episode okay <laughs> <laughs> 
So the um, movie Blackbeard, the water encases Blackbeard in a tornado of water, a hurricane of water, and it rips the skin, the muscle, all of the flesh off of him, and he's nothing but bones. And I thought this part was actually really dang cool. Like the effects yeah. team were only allowed enough time to really make this one part of the movie cool. Yeah, I guess. And he dies. And then everything's fine or whatever. Jack Sparrow. There's a lot of, um, this is the end of the story now. Here's our last sentences that are really going to make you think. Yeah. Or make you be like, I liked that movie. Right. Very cheesy. And um, he like maroons Penelope in, in what's supposed to be a cute scene. And then he hooks up with G- Gibbs again and Gibbs and has the boat. And walking off into the sunset. Yeah. And I will give them credit for this. Yeah. Jack Sparrow says something that's kind of a commentary on the, the craziness of the sequel of the movie itself because he says something to the effect of, now, how? what crazy thing are we going to have to do to get this boat out of the bottle? And I felt like that was a little nod to, like, these movies are crazy. And I, I've, I always kind of like a little wink-wink to the audience. Mm-hmm. So the movie ends. We actually didn't watch the post credit scene. Wow. Uh-oh. Yeah, what happened? Um, I'll pull it up, and we'll do it live on air. But, yeah, I think it's a... Pr- it's like an okay movie, but it's a horrible pirates movie. Oh my gosh! Yeah, because I, I feel like it had it had the um, the story level was up there with probably um, Mortal Engines. Like they were telling the story as competently as Mortal Engines does, although they didn't have a Shrike. But Mortal Engines has a cool um, has a cooler visuals and cool cooler things it's doing, so it makes up for that you know what i'm saying yeah and scene actually mortal engines is way cooler than this never mind it, it really is i enjoy that way more okay let's see like uh what i think in the next movie they do some de-aging on johnny depp oh no look at this still uh-oh uh-oh shiny boy okay after credits here we go Can you see it? The voodoo doll came back. What? So the payoff was in a post-credit scene. Oh, that sucks. Yeah. Um, didn't like it. No. Not a good movie. I'll never watch it again. Um, and I'm and the next I, one looks real bad. Well, and then this movie has kind of like everyone thinks it's like okay, you know, okay. generally. Yeah. And the next one, people don't like the next movie. Yeah. Pe- there's just as far as I can tell, nobody likes the next movie. Okay. So it, it's gonna be. Javier Bardem looks real bad. He looks bad. He looks so bad. But hey, I've heard personally from some of you uh, that you like it when we rant about a movie we don't like. So tune in next week as we talk about Dead Men Tell No Tales. Now, uh, uh, we're going to announce our series. But before we do that, 
you have got to go to www.patreon.com slash m-i-c-a-h-m-c-c-a-w and join in on the fun the the patrons we're getting we're getting more and more and mm-hmm. it's getting crazy and i'm loving it and we have gremlins 2 the new batch ready for you to listen to um there's always exclusive episodes and there's exclusive music and art and a lot of fun stuff going on over there secondly um anything from you Mm, no oh i did release a music video factory sealed you did yes i did um and i reworked old cartoons and made a lyric video out of them um it's pretty cool you just go to my youtube very very cool micah mccaw and you can watch it um dude knows how to make a music video i try i try now drum roll would you like to announce the series no because i don't remember what's next you don't you're the one who chose it oh i do know what it is Yes, it is. A <laughs> yeah. Okay. Good. Okay. Okay. Go ahead. Hannibal. We're doing Hannibal. The Hannibal which includes series. Which movies and how many? This will be a five movie series. We are including Michael Mann's Manhunter, which sees Brian Cox as Hannibal Lecter. And is that an older movie. It is. Like eighties. Uh, I think it's eighties. I think it's early. So 80s. you got Silence of the Lambs, Manhunter. No, Manhunter. Silence. I'm of not the going Lambs. in order because I don't know what it is. Oh. But if you know what it is, go. Yeah. Man- Manhunter, Silence of the Lambs, Hannibal with a crazy guest that's going to be on it. That is mm-hmm. unbelievable. That hint, hint worked on the movie. Uh, Red Dragon and then Hannibal Rising. Okay. So another very, five. Very, very exciting. If anyone knows me, they know I love, uh, this isn't true crime, but loves... Pu- like crime. Crime. I love crime. <laughs> she loves crime. And I'm Batman. <laughs> <laughs> so um, get ready. Get ready. And uh, thank you for listening. We love you all. Make sure and rate, review, subscribe, and tell your friends. And um, we'll see you next week. Um, and don't forget, Darren Aronofsky's <laughs> The Fountain. <laughs>